Welcome to the Creek Default Podcast, where we discuss the latest news, laws, and trends affecting your industry. Welcome back to the Creek Default Podcast. I'm George Lepinotis, your host. I'm joined today by our own Alex Mounts. Alex, thanks for being with us. Hey, good morning, George. Alex, you are widely recognized in our firm as the ESOP expert. At times, and some of our listeners may not know exactly what an ESOP is, would you give us a brief overview of what what that phrase means? Sure. Uh, ESOP is an acronym that stands for Employee Stock Ownership Plan. It's a specialized retirement plan that companies can adopt that can be used for business succession purposes. Um, It it is an option uh, where a selling shareholder could sell sell to that versus another type of buyer, a strategic buyer, financial buyer, management, kids, etc. Um, and it allows the owner to sell his or her stock or the shareholders to sell their stock uh, to the employees to this retirement plan. So let's start with the employee's perspective because I think the owner's perspective may, we'll get to that on the far side. Um, the employees are organized under a program and are they all able to participate or is there are there limits to which employees can be owners? Sure, great question. So if, if companies think of their 401k plan, because I I'm, expect that most of the listeners probably are covered or have been covered under a 401k plan, there are eligibility requirements to be able to participate. Maybe you have to work a certain period of time. Uh, and then once you're eligible to participate, uh, then you may have to work a certain number of hours in a year to get a contribution. Those same requirements hold true for an ESOP. So it, it is a broad-based plan, so we're not talking about some type of specialized executive compensation plan where it's only targeted at a few select executives. This is something that's really broad-based for, for all employees, and as long as they meet the eligibility requirements, then they would be a participant in the plan and be eligible to receive contributions of stock under the plan as well. So when I think of a 401k plan, which is what I consider to be probably one of the most popular plans like you mentioned, I think of a gradual contribution to the plan, to my plan, both funded by my employer and by my, uh, of my own dollars. Does an ESOP work that same way? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it uh, does work. Uh, it can work somewhat similarly. Um, however, for most ESOPs, uh, they are, uh, th- there's no employee deferral element to it. So they're not using their own money to buy shares of stock. The employer is making contributions to their account over a certain period of time uh, that, that's designed to be longer term in nature where each year they're going to have shares allocated to their accounts. Okay, so um, as you can tell, there's excitement about that concept, but what we are hoping to understand is, or help me understand, I think of an ESOP as Harley-Davidson, where the employees came together and bought the store. Is that not really an ESOP? Am I thinking something different? No, that, 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 the are there are several different types of, of ESOP structures and transactions that you can have. The the most common structure that we see is where uh, a group of selling shareholders say we want liquidity, 
and they uh, decide to go ahead and sell to the employees uh, and really they're selling to the the retirement plan trust which is represented by a trustee it purchases their stock the employees don't have any money that they're putting into it on their own and then the way the stock gets into employees accounts over time is is that the company makes contributions to the ESOP and the ESOP trustee uses those contributions to repay the loan it incurred to buy the stock from the, the selling shareholders. Oh, I see. So moving to the owner, the owner's benefit in this is that the owner is not funding the stock contributions to each of the employees' correct uh, accounts. That is being funded on a, on a loan basis. And then ultimately, when the owner is ready to divest, tire, or, or otherwise, then the loan comes due. Yeah, so the, the loan, when, whenever they sell, there is a loan put in place that's typically between the company and the ESOP. And the selling shareholder may have had his or her stock redeemed by the company, and so there's a seller note that's involved where they, um, they may get some cash off of the company's balance sheet, the company may borrow money from a bank to get them cash for the sale of their stock, but they're not going to be able to get all cash. So there's going to be some component of a seller note, uh, de depending on how much they're selling, uh, some component of a seller note. And then the ESOP is then typically buying newly issued shares, uh, or they could be buying some shares from the selling shareholder, but the ESOP is borrowing money from the company to be able to do that. So the company makes contributions, which are retirement contributions, they're deductible, and then the ESOP then uses those contributions to repay the loan. I see. So it is a bit of an inside transaction. Yes. Okay, all right. But the money, the money being used to fund the ESOP is being generated by the company. Yes. However, it now, can it be tax deferred? Are you talking about the, the benefit within the ESOP? Or so, that's right. So when you're, I would think that the company, for instance, if a company's making payments to my 401k, that's a tax deferred You're exactly event, right. right. So with the ESOP, is it the same way where when the company's making these, these contributions to the, uh, to the ESOP through the, the grant of shares, it's the same way it's tax deferred? It is, and it's a, it's a great thing because as the participants build up these shares in their account, they're not taxed currently. So they're taxed identically to a 401k plan. Whenever they ultimately take a, a distribution from their account, then they're subject to ordinary income tax rates. Um, for C corporations, they, they could be eligible for certain capital gains rates, uh, but by and large, they're subject to ordinary income rates and they're able to roll that money over to another retirement plan or to an IRA to continue the tax deferral, just like you can with the 401k plan. So let's say that I work at company X for five years, I participate in the ESOP program, I am granted shares, and after year five, I quit. Those shares can be converted to another type of retirement program. Is there, are there, let me ask you a basic question on that. Are there uh, restrictions on ownership of those shares? In other words, I would take it you have to be an employee. Yeah, so when you're, when you're a participant, um, you, you have these shares building up in your account. But participants, it's important for the listeners to hear, they're legal record shareholders. There's only one shareholder and it's the trust. So for some of you who are S-corporations thinking, oh, we have like 200 employees, this wouldn't work for us. 
It does because the trust is one shareholder. The participants are beneficial shareholders. Now, in your example, George, uh, someone quits after five years, plans can have vesting schedules. And I'm just like you may have a vesting schedule for a 401k plan match where you have to be there for a certain period of time to get the, for the benefit to be quote unquote yours. But let's just say someone was 100% vested in that benefit and they left. The plan will specify how they're paid out. So they could be paid out in five installments. Um, and if they're an S corporation, they could pay them only in cash. Um, if they're a C corporation, they could have the ability to elect stock and put that back to the company. But you could make them subject to a, a buy-sell agreement, which I think is where you were going with that. Thinking through, well, maybe we don't want to have these minority shareholders out there. Um, but you're saying there's only one vote. It's the trust. It's the trust. And now the, the employees are members of the trust. <clears throat> they, are, they are beneficiaries of the trust. Do they get a vote in the trust? So in other words, let's say that a particular corporation maybe has 50 voting shares. The trust has one of the, one of the 50 votes. Do the, trust, or do the employees then get to direct the way the trust would vote? Or is there a management structure for the trust? Yeah, so that, that is a, a plan design question, but I, uh, thankfully the Internal Revenue Code is very specific in saying participants do not have a right to direct the trustee on how to vote unless it's a major corporate event. So a sale of all the, substantially all the assets, a liquidation, dissolution, merger, and those events which under state law are shareholder voting matters, you are required to pass through that voting instruction to the trustee. On all other matters, you think about uh, election of directors. That's the most common. They don't. Okay. I'm going to transition here because we don't have it, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of halfway through and, and there's so much to get to with this topic. I know there is, we could probably do an hour on it, but um, you're always available for questions. I know that. Uh, let's, I'm, I'm going to skip the, the owner's kind of benefit for a second. Well, let's transition to the owner. Let's say grandma and grandpa own the factory and they're ready to retire, right? They want to hang it up. They have many options, obviously, for selling their business. Um, in, in recent years, private equity has been a major market mover. Um, matter of fact, it seems like to me I see more private equity transactions than I do uh, like kind companies. You know, that, that seemed to be a thing back in the day. Yeah. You know, your competitor might try to buy you or a, a business, another business in that same industry might try to take over. Uh, or merge. Uh, it seems like, especially in the manufacturing space, private equity has really come to play, to the forefront. But let's say grandma and grandpa are ready to retire. They have not. They have not. And I'll preface that because if, if they've planned on an ESOP, then they have, that's kind of their retirement right. plan. But let's say they have a plan on an ESOP. Is an ESOP an option at that late stage? Yeah, it absolutely could be. So an ESOP, um, sometimes people have negative notions of an ESOP because they've you know read articles where an ESOP should have never been put in place and to begin with it became a dumping ground they it was a the company wasn't performing it was in a down industry it was really heading downhill fast and ESOP became a dumping ground for people to get liquidity there are all types of fiduciary rules that the Department of Labor has that that when an ESOP buys stock it has to be a prudent investment and so, um, assuming grandma and grandpa have done a great job with uh, that they have uh, a solid company there, they have management to succeed them, so there's somebody to continue to run and drive the company going forward, 
uh, them coming late to the table, quote unquote, with exploring an ESOP, uh, that happens all the time. Well, let's talk about just the, the fundamentals of the money for grandma and grandpa, right? Private equity comes in and says, hey, now you know, what's a, what's a relevant, timely company? Face, max, face Masks Incorporated. You know, we'll offer you $10 million to buy the company. Um, where would an ESOP at that late stage get $10 million to try to compete with that offer? Yeah, so you're bringing up a point where we see people choose not to uh, go the route of an ESOP if their priority, and um, I'm assuming by grandma and grandpa, we're talking about somebody that are older grandma and grandpa. Sure, then they're, ready to to they're ready to retire, they're looking to cash. They, they, yeah, yeah, if they want you know cash on the barrel That's and it. they want to move to Florida and they want all their cash, um, uh, there are some private equity firms that will do that and, and not have some earn out component. In an ESOP structure, uh, because it's a leveraged buyout, they may have the ability to get, you know, half of their proceeds in, in cash um, by, you know, maybe looking their, uh, at taking cash off the company's balance sheet, okay. maybe the company's borrowing capacity, but they aren't going to be able to get their full sale proceeds. So that's usually where we see people, if, if immediate cash uh, in full is what they're wanting, that's probably, in ESOP's probably not the right fit for them. All right. But the... It sounds like, and this is a key component, I feel like. I feel like the ESOP is able to leverage the assets of the company in order to be a viable transition uh, yeah. candidate. Yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Um, whereas private equity may not have that benefit, right? Private equity doesn't get to buy you out with your own balance, the money on your own balance sheet. Right, yeah. Okay, that's All right. right. That's fair, that's fair. And then um, what about this idea that can an ESOP be used in, in combination with other things? I think in Indiana, and I'm going to bring up a name, uh, you know, I think everyone's fir fairly familiar with Reith Riley. They're a big road company. I think of them, and I've, I've actually, um, I know some of the guys that work there, and I think we represent them in, on occasion. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think of a truck driver who's an owner, and they're, and they're proud of that. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think that's a pure ESOP. Are there combinations where you still maintain family ownership yeah. and the ESOP only owns a percentage of the company? Absolutely. An ESOP can own anywhere up from, from 1% to 100%. Okay. And, and we certainly have, where you have that flexibility where maybe a family wants to continue to be in control, but they want to share some of the benefits uh, and, and upside with their employees and reward them and incentivize them. Yeah, yeah. and especially as we face a more competitive job market? Um, is an ESOP a tool for that? Is that something that your clients come to you and say, we're really struggling to retain employees and we want to sweeten the pot? Yeah, it, it's, it's an additional, you think of it, it's an additional benefit that employees aren't having to pay for. Right. Um, and, and so it, it definitely can sweeten the pot. On community banks, we see that a lot. When they're trying to compete with publicly traded banks that can do stock grants, an ESOP is a way for them to have ownership for the employees where uh, and, and compete that way where maybe they can't directly compete on salaries. Got it. Got it. So a couple of final thoughts here before I let you go. If someone wanted to know more about an ESOP, obviously they can find out more on our website, creekdevault.com. Um, and I think you've written a number of articles in this. Uh, but what is in your 
best advice? What is the what is the best way to enter into the ESOP structure? Is it to talk with an attorney first? Is it to think about it with on your own? I mean, what what is what's the what's the procedure for beginning to investigate this type of application? Yeah, I mean, we a lot of what I do is just having an off-the-clock call with companies as they're kicking the tires on it, just so that they can understand. Beyond that, if people don't even want to go to that route, the National Center for Employee Ownership, the nceo.org, has a lot of great resources on their website uh, that, that people can go to. Um, th there are uh, other consultants who can provide information, but um, I, I think just as a cursory matter, if you wanted to explore that website, that's fine, or certainly I'm happy to have a a call, you know, an hour-long call with people just to, as they're trying to understand, is this something we even want to explore more fully? Sure, sure. And Alex, thank you for your time. Thank you for your knowledge. I know that um, you are a nationally recognized expert in ESOP, so it's always fun to talk with someone who knows the ins and outs. I, uh, it seems like a very daunting task, but also one that probably is fairly rewarding. Yes, thank you, George. It is, and that's one of the most fun parts about my job is is working with companies all over the country and um, seeing it come to culmination of just a really emotional event of transitioning someone's business, but also having the reward of knowing that your employees and the legacy that you're leaving with them and seeing that continue on and and, and really. Um, really transitioning wealth to your employees in a way they could never accumulate on their own. Well, thanks again, Alex. Thanks to our listeners, and have a great afternoon. Thank you.